On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, it is coming up to one o'clock. It might not feel like it. Um, you might be cursing the clock uh, today, feeling like you've lost the hour. Um, certainly, it's a day that makes a lot of us think more about the nature of time. Maybe you didn't know that Ireland has a museum of time or that the island, once upon a time, had multiple different time zones. Um, time, of course, means clocks. Every Irish city has its own iconic landmarks, often tied up in clocks. And could there be controversy on the horizon if the neighbours were to abandon daylight savings time? Well, Donald Fallon was up bright and early, probably earlier than he needed to be, uh, to come in to talk to us. Donald, hello. Um, it seems daylight savings time might be a thing of the past soon, or at least it might be next door. Yeah, in Britain, you know, it seems in Britain two people can never actually agree on any one thing at the same time uh, anymore. <laughs> in, in, in social and political like turmoil. Right, yeah. Uh, there's much talk around scrapping daylight savings time but if, like to be serious about it in England you have all kinds of people campaigning for this so uh, the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents actually and they argue that the quote recent research by the RAC Foundation confirms that road traffic collisions increase by 19% in the fortnight after putting the clocks back one hour from British summer time to Greenwich Mean Time by 19% and then okay. amazingly they reduce by 11% when we put the clocks forward onto British summer time which is okay. extraordinary so they're also keeping with public feeling over there. 59% of you know the great British public would prefer what they call British summertime all year, uh, according to a, to a YouGov survey. Uh, in the EU, though, there is this feeling as well that the idea of putting clocks forward and backwards could, could well be over soon. Our own MEPs, you know, we, we rarely hear what they're up to over there in Brussels, but back in 2019, they actually voted on removing daylight savings time as well, mm. uh, permanently, in the European Union. So I was actually yeah. reading the, the newspaper reports from 2019 last night, and they're saying... By 2021, it'll be a thing of the past. That'll be the last time we have to do it. Mm. And then, of course, came the pandemic. Then, then and that, things happened. Yeah, that was put on ice. So imagine, you know, if the EU continues to delay on that decision and the neighbours actually went out on another path, what would happen? And mm. for all the talk of, you know, a physical border, and thankfully that seems to be out the window now, but there was so much talk around what would a physical border mean in Ireland? You know, imagine the ludicrous idea in 2024 or 2025 that Monaghan and Newry mm. could be an hour apart. If we don't move at the same time on this, yeah. that could actually happen. Well, what if closing time in Straban was an hour earlier than Lifford so you could go across the <laughs> river and then just keep going for another bit? Um, ultimately, the story of time in Ireland uh, inevitably has been a story that has actually a lot of politics involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we'll get into the saga of Dublin Mean Time in a bit. I mean, the 1960s. My favourite nerd thing. <laughs> Honest brilliant. to God, Dublin Mean Time. Um, uh, what a time to debate it, you know, in the British House of Commons, 1916, uh-huh. right after the Easter Rising. So, you know, it became a, a very, very political thing. There probably wasn't the worst time imaginable, actually, to be debating anything that brought the two islands kind of closer together. And people might have heard about that, and we'll go into that in a little bit more detail. But there's there's sort of strange moments in the history of Ireland involving time. For example, during the 1940s, when the Second World War was on, the UK adopted double summertime which made sense, you know, in a wartime economy. There are all kinds of reasons to do that. Mm. We, of course, were neutral in the war, so we didn't follow. And that meant that for a period in the 40s during the war, we were an hour behind the North all year round. So the great joke that the Wags had was, you know, people leaving nearly had arrived in Dundalk before they'd even left. Mm. <laughs> it's fantastic. But if it worked then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you kind of wonder whether people should be as concerned about Monaghan and Neary being on different times now, but there you go. Yeah, might be if you lived in a border town, but mm. yeah, certainly much earlier than World War II time, we might call it that, you know, Dublin meantime, really peculiar situation. I mean, we were 25 minutes behind London mm. and that reality existed from 1880 until mm-hmm. 1916. So the British, the British looked to Greenwich and the Irish looked yeah. to Dunsing. Um, what's, what's behind the idea then of bringing us in line? Obviously, as you've mentioned, there's, there's probably a certain amount of political pushback because they're saying, right, well, we need the Irish to think of themselves more 
war like us. Um, there's probably some travel reasons why they wanted to make the yeah. whole thing more uniform probably some commercial imperative as well yeah Ben Shorten the historian has written a really brilliant article on this saga that dragged on and on and on and he writes that you know, significant sections of Irish society were in favour of uniformity but he points towards you know, the, the, the Chamber of Commerce for example uh, you know, all the railway and steamship companies all the county councils urban councils rural district councils mm. industrial and agricultural communities of north, south, east and west I mean when you think about it uh, there's a changing world economically in yeah. all kinds of ways and you want that uniformity but I think most unfortunate was that this was being debated in Parliament literally weeks after the rising so you get stuff like John Dillon from the Home Rulers the Parliamentary Party yeah. you know, he stands up and says well we've managed to get along for 600 or 700 years I do not know how long ago it was that clocks were invented without assimilating our time to that <laughs> of Great Britain and shouting in the other corner you have Edward Carston so yeah time was really secondary I think uh, uh, to that debate I sort of feel like it was a good sort of little presage to the downfall of the Home Rulers that he said oh sure we got along for 600 or 700 years <laughs> plenty of people who were like we haven't really gotten along for 600 <laughs> <laughs> We've coexisted, but that's about the height of it, fella. Uh, next general election comes on and those guys are right in the rear. Um, you don't have to look to London, though, because even in Ireland today, and this is the fascinating thing I think that so far removed, a lot of people don't don't get anymore. There is still evidence of there being loads of different time zones within the island. So Belfast was one minute and 19 seconds ahead of Dublin. Which <laughs> is amazing. Societally, yeah. I mean, not even a Spotify song separated us from each other. Uh, Cork was 11 minutes behind us. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, look, the railway network really played no small role in putting that all that to bed because it was madness. And yeah. they just ran trains on Dublin meantime. So there's a lovely clock in Galway. Listeners in the West will know it. Over the Galway camera shop. Mm. I remember the first time I seen it, I was like, wow. And it says Dublin Mean Time. So yeah. they had to do something. Because that about wasn't it. that wasn't the time in Galway. That was the crucial point. Exactly. Like, if you're, this if the you're time running for the train, that was yeah. the time that mattered. So, you know, clocks are a big part of this story. And we've an amazing museum uh, in Waterford, the Irish Museum of Time. I'm so jealous of Waterford. That's I mean. a great name. Yeah, we don't have a civic museum yeah. anymore. It's, 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 the, it's the book that Stephen Hawking never wrote. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't have a civic museum of the city anymore in Dublin. They have five museums in an area known as Waterford Treasures. It's an extraordinary wow. place. But the Museum of Time is just this amazing place. You know, some of the oldest Irish-made grandfather clocks, beautiful timepieces from across the island of Ireland. But that clock in Galway is one that many listeners will know immediately. Um, public clocks, they've got this kind of surprisingly long history in Ireland. And a lot of it is to do with, you know, trying just win when people didn't have clocks or timepieces of their own so it was the only kind of civic thing uh, some of them were famous for not actually giving you the correct time at any particular moment first of all I was amazed to find out the, the oldest public clock in the island of Ireland 1466 wow which is amazing isn't it that's, that's really the, like, and that's not just like a, not to be pejorative that's not just a sundial like that's no, an actual no, yeah, working yeah. mechanical on, thing on the Tulsa the Civic Hall in Dublin uh, but then, you know, some clocks are famous for the wrong reasons. So Victorian Dublin, you know, the township of Ratmines, yeah. they'd gone their own way. They broke away from the city council. Of course they had. They had a famous clock still there on the old city hall. Uh, and it became known quite quickly as the four-faced liar because the four <laughs> times were, were different because, because of the mechanism in it. Uh, the most famous clock in Dublin, everyone knows it, is Cleary's, of yes, course, recently yeah. restored. Uh, but the Cleary's clock once looked very different. So it's kind of fake old clock when you look at it today. It used to be a kind of uh, a kind of really simplistic, beautiful kind of modernist clock. Okay. Very removed from the opulence thing we know today. But I think what made Cleary's clock was location. You know, it was a rendezvous point for for social or romantic meetings. Yes. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. Uh, in a time before Tinder, I'll see you under Cleary's clock. Really, yeah. you, know, you hope for the best. And the Irish Ma- Times. Imagine clock. swiping left now and telling someone you'll see them under Cleary's <laughs> clock. <laughs> well, it's more common answer will be like, "I'm not going Northside." <laughs> We all know uh, the Irish Times clock, which was very slow, actually, in following the newspaper from the Lear Street. But there was a good reason for that. And I found this disgruntled reader's letter in the Irish Times when they moved office. You obviously left the clock behind you in the great move from the Lear Street. Let's hope the clock soon follows you to Tara Street. 
and will help you to be more grounded in the realities of Irish life as the paper was in former days. <laughs> I, I, I love the, like, the self-righteousness of that, that somebody is like, well, you know what, the paper's gone to pot since you stopped having a clock outside the door. <laughs> as if like in the 21st century that that was the thing that was grounding them in what was meaningful to society. Um, rather than being removed though, um, that, that particular clock was just being repaired. And there is this one family business which is still synonymous with the whole question of, of clock repairs. Yeah, every newspaper needs a good clock. And you know, in New York City, it's often the, time, the, 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 the ticker outside of the newspaper office. Yeah. The Irish Times clock is beautiful. And it was just enjoying a little bit of TLC. Stokes down in Cork, legendary firm uh, when it comes to the restoration of clocks. They also restored the Cleary's clock in recent times. Oh. And they're working on uh, Mangan's clock in Cork, which, which people down there will know from Patrick Street. I mean, a clock that literally survived the burning of the city mm. by the Uggsies mm. uh, during the War of Independence. So yeah, be it Galway, Cork, Dublin, every city you know, has one of these great iconic clocks. And look, I mean, commerce, economics, that's a factor in everything we've talked about today. But if the British do abandon daylight saving times before the EU, what do we do? Will we have to rush through legislation in the doll to stay in line with our nearest neighbour mm. and our most important trading block? I mean, that, that's all ahead of us. It's all just a matter of time. But look, to be honest, if, if we, not to completely ruin my own lovely little segue there, like if we were able to do it for World War II, and, and it, it wasn't such a, a crazy thing to have different times between Lifford and Straban or between Monaghan and Uri. Like it probably yeah. could be something we'd work around. After but. all that, though, around the uh, non-existent border in the Irish Sea, I think it would just be some so symbolically... Mm, divisive very true yeah very true uh, Donald Fallon thank you for that Donald Fallon is the author of the community books and of uh, Three Castles Burning A History of Dublin in 12 Streets which was the Easton's Book of the Year 2022 he's also the host of the podcast of the same name Three Castles Burning A History uh, of the Capital City anywhere you get your audio online On the Record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11 brought to you by PwC great minds think unalike Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.